Hello and welcome back to Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Lisa Bell, along with our producer, Thomas Mates. Orlando's food scene is diverse and vibrant, but if you are looking for a craft adult beverage, your options are a little more limited. However, that has created an opportunity for one couple to bring a first-of-its-kind watering hole to the city beautiful. They plan to open the city's first meadery by the end of the year. So we are joined today by Ginger and Joe Lee from Zymerium Mead. I'm saying that correctly? Yeah. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today. And for everyone who is listening or watching, we're talking about mead, M-E-A-D. D is for drinks. What is mead? Mead is alcohol made from honey. So you have beer that's made from grains and wine that's made from grapes, but mead is made from honey. Okay, so tell us about yourselves. How did you even get started making mead? Well, we were super into craft beer. And uh, after a few years of trying different craft beers, we started getting introduced to mead and we attempted to make it. And this is many years ago. and. It turned out okay, um, but we really enjoyed the process. And Ginger's always had a big thing for honey. She's collected honeys from around the world all, all her life. So she's really gotten me into honey. And then I really fell down the rabbit hole and got obsessed with the fermentation science and the art of mead making and just started making tons and tons of batches and trying to perfect everything. Yeah. Is there anything big in the in the fermenting process that like separates mead from beer or wine, or is it largely the same? Um, it's kind of a hybrid of both, but it is more similar to wine. Um, but instead of grapes, we're using honey. So we're adding water to the honey because honey is so uh, high in sugar that it can't possibly ferment on its own. So you have to water it down a little bit so the yeast can actually eat it and turn it into alcohol. So... For someone who's never had mead, how, what, how would you describe the taste? Is it more like a beer? Is it sweeter like a wine? How would you describe it? So the best thing about mead is it can be anything you want it to be. So it can be completely dry and sugarless like a wine, or it can be like a dessert wine and full of honey, or anywhere in between. It can be 14% like a wine, or it can be 6% and carbonated and dry hopped like a beer. It just covers all the styles. Yeah, and fruited and, you know, as you can see here, completely different colors based on, you know, whether there's fruit in it. And even the types of honey have different rich uh, golden colors. So we have a lighter one here that's almost transparent, completely clear, and it's a lighter honey. And then you can see it's a more golden one on this side. So there's a huge range in, in the different styles of mead and the flavors and everything that goes into it. This seems pretty new. Has mead been around forever? It's actually the original alcohol because before we were planting grains or uh, vineyards, bees were making honey. And if a hive got wet, it would ferment into mead. So it was the original alcohol anywhere bees were making honey across the world. And so do you have a bunch of bees in your backyard or where are you getting all this honey in the fruit? <laughs> yeah. I wish. I used to want to be a beekeeper. So that was definitely on my wish list and maybe someday, but... Yeah. Um, so honey is actually, or Florida is actually the fourth biggest honey producer in the country statewide. So we have teamed up with tons of local apiaries to test all their honeys and pick our favorite ones to share. Cause every honey tastes different. 
even stuff like orange blossom, depending on which part of the state and season you get it from, it might be more citrusy or more of that beautiful jasmine-like aroma you get wafting through the air. Yeah, so we're lucky being in Florida because there's so many different types of honey that are really amazing just within Florida. So we're excited to be here and being able to use all that local honey. And, and is that what you're doing, just sticking to Florida honey? It will be the uh, majority of the honey we use, but there are some really amazing honeys that we can't ignore. Like there's a uh, honey called Meadow Foam from Oregon, which uh, you may recognize the term from uh, cosmetic products. Meadow Foam oil is often in them. So they have large fields of this Meadow Foam flower, uh, but the honey tastes like marshmallows and vanilla. And it is absolutely incredible. It's so amazing. we can't not use that honey. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, you know, you've, you've talked about how meat is, has been around for forever. It's the, the oldest fermented, uh, you know, alcohol. Um, but it's, you know, at least in America, it's not the most mainstream. You know, you, you, it's mostly, you know, beer and, and liquors, you know, bourbons, of course, the, you know, American spirit. So why, why is, why has mead not really like broken through in that way? Well, honey is the most expensive sugar source, pretty much. Um, so it's meat's very expensive to make because of that reason. And if you don't have the fermentation down perfectly, you kind of end up ruining the honey. So it takes a lot of work to actually honor the honey and get all those delicate aromatics from fermentation and the from the honey through fermentation into the glass. And we've really focused on that. So every glass of mead, you can smell the honey that it came from, you can taste it. And once you ferment away the sugar that is in, that is in honey, you're left with those aromatics that sometimes you usually can't taste when you eat the honey straight. So it really, uh, honey's really worth it, but it's very delicate and hard to work with. So where did the name Zymerium come from? And when did you guys actually start this business? Uh, so Zymerium is actually a word that I came up with. It's based on Zymergy, which is the study of fermentation. And uh, the second part, so Zymerium is actually referring to the creative space where we're exploring fermentation and everything related to the fermentation process, but in a very creative way. So Zymerium stemming from the study of fermentation and then also referring to the space that we're going to be developing to share the meads with. And, and tell us more about that space. So I'm actually going to be designing the tasting room. Um, I'm an interactive designer. So it's what I do professionally. So um, the two of us to collaborate is really an amazing opportunity because we're combining the mead, uh, which is predominantly his talents and expertise with my side of it, which is doing uh, interactive design. So I work with sensors to create uh, large scale performances, audiovisual experiences. So the tasting room is going to really be uh, an exploration of what I'm passionate about and bringing to the table to immerse people in this uh, experience of honey, but also a multi-sensory engaging space. And since I do interactive experiences, really um, there's no limit to different things that we can explore in terms of space. So if we have a video wall, then maybe you know the visuals change every week and respond to things that are happening in the space. So the thing with interactive is it's actually responding to what's happening in the environment and I can uh, create those experiences and how I want it to respond to people, whether it's based on the drink that they order, maybe something different happens in the space. And so um, we haven't picked out the space yet, but basically once we know the space, then I will shape everything to optimize that space for the best experience. 
And it seems like you're looking to create an entire experience. So are you thinking more like I drive area where obviously central Florida is the center of the universe for tourism? Um, Are you trying to capitalize that or do something more local and be more kind of downtown? Definitely more local. Okay. Yeah, definitely more local. We've been looking at uh, the Milk District, Mills area, so places like that. Um, So we definitely want to... um, be more within Orlando where, where the people who live within Orlando, not, not towards the theme parks. And, um, it really creates a great opportunity for us to also host events to educate people on mead and do pairings and tastings. And, um, you know, I work a lot with the synth community, um, Orlando synth lovers, so we can host different like meetups for that and things. So basically building a whole culture, creative culture that coincides with the mead. So when you tell people you want to open the city's first meadery, what is the reaction? Are they like, what is well, that? Well, half the time they think we say meatery and they're yes. like, a butcher Which is what shop my husband or... thought I was yeah. Yes. He's yeah. like, oh, like you can go get like beef or something. And I, I was like, no. So Yeah. So we, it's, it's tricky to work on pronunciation just and emphasize the D and they still don't hear it. Um, so that's always a funny experience every time. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of positive responses. People, uh, have usually only tried mead maybe once or twice, but they loved it, but it is elusive. So it was usually when they were traveling somewhere, they came across it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're really excited to bring it local. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this is a, a growing trend. I know we've done a couple of stories uh, here at New Six about that, but um, I, I assume there are competitions and a whole world where you guys come together. Is there a mead convention that you attend? <laughs> Actually, there was just a, the uh, first mead festival in the country a couple weeks ago out in uh, Chicago. And it was about 30 different meteries. So we went out and got to hang out with everyone. And it was a lot of fun. And there are competitions. That's actually what really got me going on mead making as I started entering them and winning them. And then it ended up being a couple to 30 or 40. And um, yeah. (laughs) What do you win when you win a competition like that? Uh, Medals and trophies. Dragging rights. Yes, uh, but most importantly, it's trained judges uh, filling out reviews and score sheets. So, and they're anonymous. So they just tell you exactly what they're tasting and if it can be improved or what they're detecting. Mm-hmm. So it, it's even if you don't win and you're making mead or beer, it's worth entering competitions just for that trained feedback. So what is your most award-winning you know, recipe or bottle of mead? So that would actually be Nostalgia for Infinity. And we just recently posted a picture on our Instagram with it. It's covered in berries. Um, it's blackberry, blueberries, and raspberries. And then we use three different Florida honeys to kind of pair with each of those berries. And starting out making mead, I made this mead at least 30 different times. Every time learning something new, tweaking the recipe, just changing one variable, making it five times five at the same time with a very one variable different in each because I'm a software engineer. So I got to be very specific about my changes so I can, you know, if this batch was the best, I'll go down that path and then change another variable. And so really perfected that mead over a bunch of batches and it won in every single competition we entered in. Wow. That's so cool. you guys... So you guys are, uh, so you said you're a software engineer and I know you do, uh, you know, design installations and things like that. And, and so is this 
going to be staged as sort of a part-time thing for you both, or are you planning on making this more of a full-time operation once the tasting room's up and running? Um, absolutely full-time. And um, I do all of the interactive design uh, completely independent. So it is a, a whole profession for me. So I'm actually going to be maintaining both. So um, this is a really amazing opportunity because, um, you know, when he was baking the mead, I would help with different aspects of it. But now that this is going to be a business, I'm actually going to, we're co-owners. And so I'm planning on actually maintaining both worlds. So doing a, a full installation permanently at the meadery and helping run the meadery and then also continuing to do the installations both locally and i also do stuff um elsewhere around the world so it's it's a full-time profession for me so I'll be, I'll be fully switching careers to mead making <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> uh, where can people find your mead if they want to taste it or try any mead right um well there's not too many options but uh before we open we will be trying to do some pop-ups around town mm -hmm. and um we obviously can't sell it but we can share it for tastings so uh some of our local favorite craft beer bars uh will be uh, posting up on our mm -hmm. social media a time and a place and you can come out and meet us and try the mead so why can you not sell it well, it is alcohol and the government <laughs> wants their tax money. So <laughs> can you get like some type of license? I mean, obviously when you have a test tasting room down the road, what, what all goes into that? You, well, it is federally uh, licensed. So you do have to, we will be considered what is called a winery or what is a winery. But um, uh, so it's you're either a brewery or a winery and we'll become a winery. But in order to even apply for the license to make alcohol, you need a location first. Um, there's a lot of loopholes, not loop. There's a lot of hoops to jump through to be able to legally produce and sell alcohol. It's very highly regulated. But once we are open, then of course we'll be able to sell. And we can also sell online to 38 states because we are considered a winery. So we're looking okay. forward to actually being able to ship to people who have been asking from other states for right. a long time now. Yeah. And that's, you cannot do that right now though. That's, or is that down the Correct. road? Currently. Yeah. Down the road. Yeah. yeah. So I know, I understand you guys have an Indiegogo campaign for fundraising raising because obviously this is very expensive. So what exactly is that and how much are you trying to raise? Uh, so we set our goal at 40,000, um, which actually within the first two hours, we made 50% of our goal, which was amazing. Um, and so uh, some of the perks have sold out. Some of the, the high demand ones that were limited have sold out. Um, but there's still some amazing limited edition merch on there um, with the logo, which is a special insignia that's just limited to the Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. um, so we set our goal at 40,000. Um, we definitely hope to go past that because it is very expensive to set up a metery. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, whatever, you know, if people want to support us as they have been, that's amazing because it's definitely a lot of money that goes into setting up the business. So what all is that money going to like the 40,000? What's what does that buy you? Uh, this is going towards equipment. So uh, if you were to look in the metery and not know what it was, it would look a lot like the back of a brewery. Um, all the giant steel fermenters and uh, barrels for aging meat in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you need pumps and uh, you need a million bottling equipment, corkers, everything. <laughs> so yeah, all this, all the Indiegogo is going towards buying equipment. So that won't even include like rent on the building. No, or the or the build out, or yeah, the lease and yeah, that's what all why the legal fees. Once we meet our goal, we hope to just like keep going, keep going. So yeah, yeah, it definitely hopefully doesn't stop once we meet the goal. So and you've just been digging into your pockets right now to get to this point. 
and talking with investors yeah. and raising yeah capital from friends and family. Mm -hmm. And it's been luckily before we even announced that we were going to set up a meter in Orlando. Luckily, um, between you know the amazing meet and the branding and people have who have had a chance to try it, we've already built up a following huge in the US and also, you know, like around the world from just people who did get a chance to try it and then, you know, went back and checked in on Untapped. So if you go on Untapped, we're at number two right now? Or yeah, right now we're a home brewery on Untapped, but when we switch over the account to an official meadery, we made, it's looking like we might be the second highest rated brewery in the world. Wow. So that's one of the things that's really benefited us is having all of that before we even started opening. Because if we were starting from scratch with nobody having any idea who we were, then it would definitely be a lot more challenging. Yeah. And tell our listeners what exactly Untapped is. So Untapped is uh, an app on your phone that when you have a beer or mead, um, you can check into it. So it started off as like a personal log. So it's a great way to keep track of everything you've tried. And if your friends are using it, you can see before you order a beer or buy a beer, you know, if they liked it and you can see what's around in your area and it's been around for years. So now it has a billion check-ins and reviews. So it's actually become a huge database for looking into, uh, things to try. So when you get your tasting room set up, do you have a, a timeline in mind, a goal date for that? Um, we are optimistically hoping by the end of the year, and we know that that is optimistic, but um, we definitely, every day we're, we're getting every ball rolling possible that, that we can. And so we are still shooting for that date. Um, we've been looking at locations and talking to so many different people every day. And so that's still the date that we're aiming for. Um, and the good thing is that um, if we have to delay the tasting room, then there might be the option to still possibly do online sales, even if we have to put the opening of the tasting room on hold. And what has the response been like from the city of from city officials? Are they excited about this and trying to help you, you know, create this in Orlando? Absolutely. Um, they actually changed the zoning for breweries and wineries a few years ago to encourage uh, more of them and make it easier. Okay. So this is yeah, this is something they want. And you also mentioned about how making meat is more expensive than your average wine or beer because of the cost of honey. So once this is all set up and running, how much would a bottle of mead or even a glass of mead cost the average customer? Um, uh, for draft anywhere from five to $15. Um, we're gonna have beer style session meads, which are, like I mentioned earlier, like beer strength. So five, 6% carbonated, uh, maybe dry hopped or fruited, really light, great way to drink a pint. It's perfect for the hot weather, mm -hmm. um, nice and crisp. Mm -hmm. And then all the way up to uh, dessert style wines with an obscene amount of fruit that have been aged in a barrel for a year. Oh, and yep. So, and our bottles will range anywhere from uh, $20 to $50. Once again, depending on if it's just fruit or if it's a varietal honey with uh, very special heavy amounts of fruit and barrel aging and whatever treatments we can come up with like vanilla beans and uh so yeah, we can go really crazy with the flavors. Can we tell you about um, the Endless Raspberry? Because actually that's a great example of one of the, the higher end ones that we was talking about. Um, so yeah, we, uh, from taste tests, we've found that our Endless series has been the most popular. 
because often when you have a fruited beer or mead, um, you can taste the fruit and it's there. It's wonderful. Uh, we decided to push the limits of what's possible. So normally you would uh, water down the honey and then add some fruit. Uh, but we decided to use only fruit and honey. So hundreds of pounds of fruit uh, to water down the honey with just the fruit juices and the highest quality fruit we can find. Cause with meat, it really is quality in quality out. Mm -hmm. And so the endless raspberry is completely waterless or no water added. So it's only fruit and honey, whereas the other ones have water content. So um, that one is really extremely rich with with the flavor of the fruit and the. Yeah, it's liquid raspberry jam. Um, I was just going to say, it seems like it would be syrupy, it, but it's it not is, cloying. Though. Yeah, it's very thick. Um, and uh, you serve it over ice. No, um, <laughs> but we have poured it over ice cream and it's yeah. incredible. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, because there's so many raspberries and they're very tart uh, with the incredibly sweet honey, the two balance each other out to not be cloying or tart and just the perfect in between that you just keep wanting to keep drinking it. Yeah. Like every time you take a sip, you have to go back and the, the raspberry aroma is just incredible. It's been a huge hit. And that's actually, um, for the, the club that we have, it's one of the first ones that we're releasing. So we'll do uh, every six, six to eight weeks, we'll release a different fruit. So endless raspberry, then blackberry, then blueberry, then boysenberry and et cetera. And eventually we'll release some blends of different fruits together too. You said you a have a club? Yep. Um, so, uh, in the beer world, it's very popular to uh, join a membership or club with the brewery, and then the brewery will basically uh, sell you their best they can possibly produce. So uh, it gives them a chance to buy those expensive barrels and use premium ingredients because they don't have to because they're kind of pre-sold those bottles and don't have to worry about the the cash flow and stuff. So memberships have been uh, an incredible way for breweries to really perfect beer. And we've taken the same approach with mead. And we had over a thousand people sign up for the waiting list to join this membership for our meads. Yeah. And can you, you already, I mean, I know you were saying you were going through some like, you know, regulations and stuff and um, some hoops that you had to jump through, but can, are you allowed to distribute that to your club members now? No, unfortunately we can't produce a drop of alcohol until we're fully legally permitted. Mm -hmm. okay. And luckily we communicated that to the members and they mm -hmm. are eagerly waiting. So. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you also sourcing all your uh, fruits locally or as, as much as you can? As much as we can, um, there's things like apples that really don't grow in Florida. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes uh, we prefer to go with quality. So uh, if there's the best blackberries in the country and they're coming from Oregon, we're going to use those. Um, but Florida has so much good tropical fruit. Mm -hmm. So we will be using mangoes and jackfruit and passion fruit and all the incredible things that Florida specializes in. How many pounds of fruit and honey go into one bottle? Uh, one bottle. That's hard to say. I, I have calculated <laughs> it out before, um, but we're using anywhere from five to 12 pounds of fruit per gallon. Okay. And then we see another bottle up there. Is it honey's getting money? <laughs> yep. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, so that's a song lyric. Um, because there's a famous beer from Miami that uh, Wakefield makes that is uh, coconut coffee and vanilla beans. 
And it's absolutely one of our favorite beers. It's a stout. It's incredible. It's like a pastry stout. And they call it Big Papa. So uh, we took a lyric from that song and made a mead in honor of that beer and the same style. And they collaborated with the Micro Roasters of the Year on California, Mostra Coffee. And so we got the same coffee beans from Mostra after talking with them. And they love what we do. So we're going to be going out to their Mostra Festival next year. And this one just won the award. Yeah, this one actually won first place at the Mazer Cup, which is like the Olympics of mead. So it's an international (laughs) competition. It's the hardest to win anything in. And we won first place for it. I feel like you should have a medal hanging over that bottle, draped over the bottle. In the photo, in the photos online, we do. Yeah, you yeah. can see it on the Instagram with the medal. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, it's a cup instead of a medal, but it's it's in the photos for sure. Now we hear so much about the health benefits of honey. So, I mean, are there health benefits to drinking mead? So everything that's in honey um, is still in the mead. We don't take anything away. Uh, fermentation doesn't change that at all. We do very uh, cold and slow fermentation to preserve the most honey characteristics. So everything that wasn't the honey is there in the meat on the back end. And it's naturally gluten-free, which a lot of people ask. So it is, you know, for people who can't drink beer for those reasons, honey is naturally gluten-free so they can absolutely have mead. Uh, any idea on the calories in that if I'm drinking liquid jam? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one wonderful thing about mead is you can just have an ounce or two and put the cork back in the bottle and it's still going to be good a week or two, even months later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like beer or wine that you have to drink as soon as you open the bottle. It's closer to a spirit in that sense because of the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. That's um, a nice, nice treat you can keep in your fridge and have right? a sip every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> we'll nip. I, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I'm, I'm a big nerd personally. And I'm looking at your, your symbol. The first thing I noticed is that it looks a lot like a D20. Is that coincidental or? Uh, no. So icosahedrons are actually my favorite platonic solid. So, um, <laughs> I, I, in addition to coming up with the name, uh, obviously designed the logo. Um, so it's not necessarily a coincidence. Um, he used to do a lot of gaming, but, um, I am huge into, geometry and math and you know and the science end of things so um i created the symbol to basically embody um a lot of the different elements that go into the mean making process and tapping into the rich history of you know where mead came from and stuff so so it's a lot of different things embedded within it because i come up with uh, symbolic languages and and that's just one of the nerdy things that i do so when you open your tasting room how many different varieties do you plan to offer well, we're going to have 10 different taps. So we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a few different Florida honeys on draft at all times. Uh, so there'll be traditional meads, which are about 10% alcohol and semi-sweet. And we'll always have three different Florida honeys on. So you can really taste and get, you'll get a flight and you can really taste the difference between orange blossom and mangrove and palmetto and just all these incredible Florida honeys that you may have not tried before because honey is so much more than what you get at the, the supermarket. <laughs> um, and then after the traditional Florida honey meads, we're going to have the imperial meads, which will be 14% and sweet. And those are the dessert style meads that you think of when you think of honey and mead. And you just get lost in the flavors of the honey. And we're going to have a few session meads on draft, which will be the, the carbonated beer style. So you can drink pints of those. And we'll always have probably a more premium mead, which will be the 
the total totally fruited meads or the barrel aged meads or collaborations with local businesses with local roasted coffees and lots of fun experiments yeah we're really looking forward to being able to collaborate with our favorite businesses because there's so many places in orlando that we go to that we love so once we start uh being open to doing collaborations once we open there's a lot of really great places that we're excited to to actually work with in that way. So So where is the best way or what is the best way for people to follow you to get these updates as to when you are opening and all of that? Uh, So uh, Zymarium on Instagram and Facebook. And also if you go to Zymarium.com, you can sign up for the newsletter and you can read all about our story on the Indiegogo right now. Mm -hmm. And And please please check out the Indiegogo. (laughs) Yeah, and if you wanted to see like a little hint of what the tasting room is going to be like, um, you guys can also check out my work as Synthestract because I'm designing the whole tasting room experience. So you can get a little preview of the style that it's going to be in. Do they just search Zymerium on Indiegogo to, Indiegogo to find you? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Cool. Do they need to know how to spell it? Yes. Z Y M A R I U M. For everyone who may be listening. All right. Well, Ginger and Jolie, thank you guys so much. We wish you the very best. Cannot wait to go to your tasting room and try some mead. It'll be my first time ever. And I look forward to welcoming you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guests, Ginger and Jolie from Zymarium. You can find out more about their business at Zymarium.com or by searching Zymarium on Facebook and Instagram. That's Z-Y-M-A-R-I-U-M. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell online as well. Search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Florida Foodie is available to download wherever you get your podcasts, Please take the time to rate and review us as well. And you can find videos of all of our podcasts at clickorlando.com slash podcasts.